Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 2 of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. I am your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer, and joining us now, Bobby Blaze. What's happening, Bobby? What's the word, Thunderbird? Tell all your friends in Texas. Tell all your friends in Texas. Tell all your friends in Texas. Not about ZZ Top, but about Championship Professional Wrestling, baby. Yes, we're going to go to Texas, Jeremy. Yeah, you know, I I thought uh, this would be an appropriate topic after talking about Gary Hart. Um, there's a lot to cover in Texas, though. Man, it's big, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a huge, huge state. Um, you know, I, I could see quite easily, well, it's, I mean, look, it's the size of a small country. You could real easily, you know, always work in Texas and never leave as a pro wrestler. And it looks like many people did. Yeah. A lot of repeating names work for a lot of these different companies that we'll be talking about today. And as you put on here, wrestling in a long star state. 30,000 foot view because we're going to just, it's going to be a big view of Texas. Yeah. From way up above. This is by no means going to be an exhaustive look at it. <laughs> we're just going to kind of hit the high points. I'm sure many of you guys who are more local to the area are probably going to be able to spot a few things that maybe we glossed over or could even get wrong. So please let us know if you do. Bobby, where can people find us to let us know in that case? Yes. The easiest way to find us is on Twitter. You can find a professor at the Geekish Cast. You can find me at Bobby Blaze seven forty four, or you can visit the joint account at Bell to Bell Blaze all on Twitter. There's also a Facebook group Bell to Bell Blaze you can check out. So uh, feel free to send us messages there. With that said, Professor, I got a lot of good feedback about Gary Hart. Uh, <laughs> Gary Hart is a devil, man. I got a lot of good feedback about that particular podcast uh, throughout the course of the week over on my uh, Twitter account. So thank you, fans, for for letting us know how you feel about it, man, and enjoying it. Yeah, you know, and picked up a few couple uh, fans too. Sorry. Oh no, 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 that's fine. Um, I was gonna say, you know what? I what I thought was funny is we we kind of went through a few minutes looking for a name for the show for that episode, (laughs) and we hit that, and yeah, we were both like, uh, uh, uh. And then people seem to love the title because every time somebody brought it up, they said the whole name of the episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was pretty awesome. People seem to enjoy it. I am really happy about that because I really enjoyed it. And the professor it. came up with that, too. Man, I we really, were, yeah. Him hauling around there at the end. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, but no. You said it, I popped. I yeah. just popped. You know, you, <laughs> he was on the last one, and I was like... Right there it is. You got it. You know, you can't, you can't top that, man. That was just so Fester once again came through for us. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, hey, I did catch your appearance on, uh, Wide Men Can't Jump with, uh, Tim Dombrova and that other guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, I better mention Tim again because the exchange rate. Oh, that's uh, right. That's right. A listen. Hopefully you appreciate I think they were. They were ribbing you a little bit towards the end, but I know in my segment I was putting you over. I wanted people to know that um, what an excellent job you had been doing on, you know, I bestowed that name professor on you. You did not steal from Mike Tanay. I took it from the great professor, Boris Malenko, and I said, this guy, we was doing a podcast one day. I said, this guy's a damn professor with these notes he's coming up here with. I'm back in college, and I'm having to take notes myself from, from Jeremy's notes. And um, so I want to make sure you got over it. You didn't uh, – you earned that name properly and rightfully so, and uh, appreciate you. And any chance I could get, you know, on a podcast. Um, again, thank you guys at Wide Men Can't Jump. Uh, TR, I have to catch up with you soon. Nate, I don't know. Soon we'll see each other maybe soon. Who knows? And then Tim – Man, um, 
How about some Canadian man love there, buddies? All I can tell oh. you. Keep it. <laughs> I'm going to mime school, Tim, and you know why. <laughs> no. So anybody wants to check that out, go back and listen to the third anniversary episode of Wide Men Can't Jump with the Tim Dombrova and his co-host. <laughs> there, Tim. I'm sensing some heat with you and with you and someone up oh, there. Oh no, no, no! I'm just saying that now, now we should be all even. And okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, gotcha. that should be taken care of. Yeah. And it's a fun show. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I yeah. love their, their question and answer section for you. You know, that was a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. So yeah, definitely. Go well, check that's it why, out. Uh, you know, I'm the anti-mime, but you know, the question was, uh, if and this woman was fully into it, it was Phoebe Gates, but I had to finish mom school or mom university and I could be with her the rest are of my we, lifetime. Are thing. we talking, wait, are we talking 1980s Phoebe Cates? Uh, Tim sent me a picture. I'll just say that. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, when she's coming out of the pool. Fast times at Ridgemont High, Phoebe Cates. Yes, yeah. That one, yes. But he, he sent a more revealing picture to me. And, uh, man, I mean, many, uh, probably about a year ago. And because we was talking about fast times or Phoebe Gates or brown eyed girls or something. But anyway, she was 19 in the picture, by the way. So, um, he just put me on the, you know, try to put me on a spot on a, on a few things. Uh, so hopefully people enjoyed the, the question and answer thing there. Yeah, uh, that was, I know I had fun just listening to that. And Phoebe Cates, yeah, I would uh, set the world on fire, commit genocide, I, whatever. <laughs> I, there, there is no barring what I would do to get my hands on 1980s Phoebe Cates. Yeah. Well, yeah. mine was I had to go to mom school or mom university, as he put it, and graduate, and she could be mine. So I was like, I'll shut up now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, uh, anyway, we had fun with it. So glad you brought them guys up. Uh, anyone else need shout outs this week that you have? Um, um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I still haven't seen yeah. my t shirts for, um, championship wrestling from Ontario. Uh, so, um, you know, he doesn't get a shout out for that. Okay, well. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what? I there. Um, Rock Rams has another book out about Southern California that I guess he's already sold his first printing out all the way on. <clears throat> so if you guys are fans of his, go and hit him up on Twitter because his books are amazing as far as the just covering the history of pro wrestling, especially and in I- California. I spoke to him the other day on Twitter. I actually owe him an email. I'm going to be purchasing the Ron Starr book, Bad to the Bone. Oh. Uh, apparently he has some in, and uh, he said, that'd be great, Bobby, and uh, hit me up on my email. And I've yet to do that because I might have had a few beers that night. Oh, but uh, that, that's going to be something I'll get real soon from Rock Rims. So Because um, I, I, I knew Ron. I traveled the world with Ron, mm. Canada all over, and, and over in South Africa. and and some in the U.S., so um, I'd like to read that book. But, yeah, give give him a follow. That's, that's what he's on Twitter at, too, right? Just Rock Rims? I think it's at Rock yeah. Rims. At, but, yeah. 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 But, yeah, the guy is a great wrestling historian, definitely worth checking out. And his business model is kind of wild, too. He, he writes, pro- publishes, produces, edits, prints, and distributes his own books. So, literally... If he decides he's not making any more, that that book's gone. It's done. That you can't get it. And it's just yeah, kind he, of 
he reminds me of Henry Rollins a little bit. Just does his own thing. Yeah. You know, he has his own printing company. You know, Henry Rollins does. He prints his own books, markets them, and gets them out there. You know, and and uh, does it his way. Yeah, um, it's pretty punk rock. You know. Yeah, yeah, it is. A, 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 that's just the way he approaches it, and that's that's good. That's his. That's that's the business model work for him. That's great. Yep. Um. Well, I guess um, by the time people hear this, should we go ahead and? Announced that we probably have a new president. Uh, yeah, it has. Bad out. <laughs> it has. It has been announced that okay. the projections have been made. There is no way for Joe Biden to be caught in Pennsylvania, which put him over the finish line, and he is now the president elect. Um, Crazy Uncle Joe is going to be in charge come January twentieth. There we go. And also congratulations to Kamala Harris, first female VP of the United States of America. So first, um, well, hold on. She's the first female Senator, VP. She's uh, the first woman of African descent to hold the office of vice president. She's the first woman of South Asian descent yes, to hold the, you. yeah. So like, she's like smashing records, just walking through the door. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because I, I was, Going to go to that, but I wouldn't have been as eloquently saying it as you did. So thank you. And congratulations to both of them. Let's see what the fuck happens now. Ooh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, the better question, Jeremy, uh, what about the next 70-some days? Um, well, <laughs> you and I. Don't go into great detail, but we just spoke off air for a, yeah. brief, a hot second there. Are we going to be okay for the next 70 days or not? <laughs> I I sure hope so. But a, okay. des- a, a if he is as desperate as we are led to believe, a desperate man can do anything. So, you know, um, we do live in a democracy. There is some limits on a president's power. Also, look, he's still got to make plans for when he gets out. So, you know, going as batshit crazy as I'd be afraid of probably – wouldn't happen, but I said that probably wouldn't happen to a lot of shit that's happened. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I just hope everything works out for the best, man. You know, we don't have to go into some great political debate nope. or anything like that. We just wanted the fans, you know, hey, no, uh, as much stuff we talk about, a lot of this is going to be from the past and stuff. We do stay up on, you know, what's going on in the world, um, some of the politics, the wrestling, the entertainment. As you all know, and if you're a new listener, we 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 don't go into great detail on a lot of you know politics and religion and and other companies and stuff. We try not to shit on other companies or anything like that. Uh, we certainly don't do that. Although we did have one big rant why the why the WWE hates pro wrestling, but um, other than that, we and we didn't shit on them. We didn't discourage them from listening to them or watching them rather. But uh, we just let it know that you know they must really hate pro wrestling out there. Yeah. Uh, they they like that sport. <clears throat> no, mm-hmm. no, anyway, so what do we got on the show today, Jeremy? We're oh, talking about Lone Star State Wrestling. We here. are going to talk about the state of Texas, the uh, well, the Republic and state of Texas. Um, yeah, Texas was first discovered by the Spanish uh, in 1519. Of course, it had been occupied by at least the First Nations people for 10 to 15,000 years before that. Um, it was part of Mexico from 1821 to 1836. It was then an independent republic for nine years. It joined America, and then the Confederacy, and then rejoined uh, the USA after the Civil War. It's the second biggest state in the Union, both by land mass, compared to Alaska, the second biggest, and by population, compared to California. Bobby, do you have any stories about Texas from your days uh, out and about? 
I do have a couple stories from Texas. I'll share one right now. Um, Lubbock, Texas. Um, wrestled there, and I got to go to uh, one night after a show, Vampiro and myself. We hooked up, and we went out to the Buddy Holly um, Memorial out there. It had a big statue of Buddy Holly uh, down toward, I think it's toward the center of town, actually, if I remember correctly. But anyway, that was pretty cool, man, just to uh, to do after a wrestling show. And um, everyone knows Vampiro's into all kinds of different music and this and that, and very talented guy. And he and I spoke, you know, was courteous and professional to each other. Um, every time we was around each other on that particular night, we got to go and hang out at the uh, Buddy Holly Memorial uh, there in Lubbock, Texas. Um, couple other stories that took place there. Uh, I'll tell this one real quick and just kind of get it over with. Uh, I went to um, flew out to Dallas and I was supposed to go to Dallas. Let's see. Dallas to Corpus Christi and Corpus Christi to uh, South Padre Island, I think. Anyway, so um, I end up rooming with Chris Adams. So as everyone knows, you know he's a big star down there in the uh, back in the day, and I stayed with him a couple of days. I had to rent a car in a hotel, so more 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 to the point, he stayed with me. Um, so I think we went to Corpus Christi the first night. And I finished up late, so by the time he got, when I got back to the room, he was already in the room. But then he said he forgot something and left <laughs> and didn't come back to like the early morning hours. So I don't know. Uh, what did you say? How did his story sometime end, uh, Jeremy? <laughs> uh, I think I said don't all of his stories end in gunplay or somebody okay. drawing a gun. So, yeah. I'm just glad the car's back and we're ready to hit the next town. Yeah. So we, I think we're driving to, uh, uh, I don't know. Again, we're, we're flying to, uh, from Dallas to South Padre Island cause that's 400 and some miles. And, uh, maybe we're driving from Dallas to Houston. That's 225. That might make more sense, but we're driving in Texas somewhere and he starts talking to me about his wrestling school and, um, putting it over and stuff. And, 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 uh, I just driving down whatever highway it was in the middle of Texas somewhere. And I said, I just look over at him and give him this look. And I said, Hey, Jared, you trying anyone famous? <laughs> and he gives me this look back. And as soon as the words are out of my mouth, I already know I stuck my foot in it. And he just looks at me and he goes, you ever heard of a guy named Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, oh. Stone Cold is married to his ex-wife, too. Oh, and so he starts shit. putting them over, and, you know, he says, yeah, well, he's married to my ex-wife, and uh, we still speak. And I, at the time, the children things, I speak to my daughter every day. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, we're all, we're fine. You know, I said, okay. But uh, then we get to that town, wrestle. Uh, I think I mentioned I wrestled Barry Horvitz down there in uh, Corpus Christi or wherever. And, um Catering was good, of course, because you had some Texas brisket and oh, man. barbecued chicken and all kinds of goodies to eat. But um, once again, uh, we get back to the hotel. We, we go back together this time, and um, he's forgotten something else at the arena. Now, I don't know what he's forgetting both nights, but uh, it is Chris Adams, and uh, may he rest in peace. But we had to leave the hotel the next morning at uh, 7 to catch a flight back to Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, and, um, man, it sit, he pulls in like a 645. <laughs> I don't know where the hell he was at, what he was doing. And it's not my business to this day, but, um, I just minded my own business. I'll say that. So I've been to a few places in Texas, but I mostly stayed at the arena, at the hotel, 
and at the airport other than going other than going out to the buddy Holly Moore, okay? And I'll leave it at that. So that's my Texas stories and I'm sticking to it, man. Um I think they could have been far more adventurous and also uh, uh far worse outcomes. So um yeah. Oh I, yeah. I, I just was you know, family man, I got to go do my business, have a couple matches and fly home, man. There you and go. That was it. So there's my Texas stories. Now I know You've probably been to Texas a time or two, so I don't know if you have any stories or not, and those you may not want to share. I don't um, know. Well, first, I want to—I do want to say I can get from Buddy Holly to uh, a state of Texas story real quickly, like three moves. Ready? Mm-hmm. Buddy Holly, played by Gary Busey in a movie, who mm-hmm. played Carl in Barbarossa, which mm-hmm. took place in Southern Texas. There you go. Yeah. Man, and I sent you a quote a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and it was the wrong damn quote. When I read it the next morning, I had copy and pasted the wrong damn note to you, so that's why it didn't make any sense. Okay, I was gonna say it was, it was it a was, it was a funny text, but it was not. Yes. It did not make sense the way you'd sent it. It so. would have made sense because of what was going on, and it, it was the one where where Carl says his whole name out loud, uh-huh. and Willie Willie looks at him and says, "You bitch shit out looks you born once your boy." <laughs> And I, that's what I thought of because you was going through something or another, and I was just my point was you just been shit out of luck, Jeremy. You know, yep. so I, I put that quote there when, but but the next morning I had copied and pasted the the, the next quote down from the movie. Uh, so anyway, my apologies, but um, it's anyway great movie, and yeah, uh, yeah Buddy Holly was great in that fucking or Buddy Holly, Gary Buse was great in that fucking Buddy Holly and Barbarossa, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other way you could do that, Buddy Holly, you know, who's playing bass for him at the time of that plane wreck was, uh, Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings would go on to become famous during the West Texas outlaw phase of country music. Yes, man. Waylon Willie and the boys, mm-hmm. man. Um, man. so back in 2000 or 2001, I don't remember which year it was. It was 2001 because it was right after 9-11. My grandfather who lived in Mississippi passed away and I had to fly down, get his stuff and drive it back, right? So I drive from the center of Mississippi, Columbus, Mississippi, and I'm driving back to California. Okay, I go through half of Mississippi, all of Louisiana, and I'm driving into Texas. This is my first time in Texas ever, and okay. I was not prepared for how fucking big Texas was. <laughs> I mean, I just crossed Mississippi and Louisiana in less than a day, I mean, with yeah. no problem. And I spent the next week and a half trying to drive across Texas. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, so, but, so I hit, I hit Dallas, Fort Worth. Now, years later, my little brother would live in Denton, which is outside of Dallas. And because of this, I know that everything in Texas is an hour or two away. So when you go, you go grocery shop and you get new tires, get your hair cut, buy a dress. I mean, you do it all on that trip because it's good. two hours to get there, two hours to get home. Jeez. But I'm, I'm driving through Dallas. Fort Worth, I discover that people from Dallas don't like it called Dallas-Fort Worth, and people from Fort Worth definitely don't like it called Dallas-Fort Worth. They want it referred to separately, but but you can't tell where one ends and one begins, so it's Dallas-Fort Worth forever in my mind going forward. Well, I get to Dallas, and there's one thing I want to see, right? Dealey Plaza. You know what Dealey Plaza is, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's where Superman worked, and so I can't find the goddamn place, right? So I give up and I just start heading north towards Amarillo, I believe is where I was headed. Cause I wanted to get north and then pick up uh 66 and head to California. So I'm driving and I'm driving. I, like I said, I've been here forever now and it's getting dark. It's getting really, 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 really late. 
And this is when I discovered that people in Texas basically roll up the sidewalks at 7 p.m. And um, <laughs> everything's closed. I mean, I've never seen a closed Walmart in my life. I did here. I, it was, <laughs> you know, in California, they're 24 hours. Yeah. But I'm I'm driving, okay? And I'm driving forever on a two-lane road in the middle of nowhere, pitch black. It's one in the morning, so I'm getting tired. Um, And I see lights coming up ahead, right? And I'm like, oh, fucking awesome. Okay. And I get up to the lights thinking it's going to be a city. And it turns out to be like an adult shop in the middle of nowhere or something. Or some, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like a lion's den. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm not stopping there because I don't want to put my feet on that floor. So I keep driving. I see some lights coming up and I'm just thinking, man, I'm not falling for this again. But no, it's not like a porn shop this time. It's a giant church that looks like Superman's dad's place back on Krypton. It's just like this giant glass, shiny fucking building in the middle of nowhere. And I'm just like, how in the hell do you go from a giant porn shop to a giant church in 30 minutes? You know? So anyhow, I kept driving, got to a place, rented a hotel room. The rest of the trip was pretty uneventful. But uh, that was my first trip to Texas. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe you make a few more trips there in your lifetime, and maybe I'll make it back out there again in mine. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I know I'd like to, I, I would like to go out there and visit, but right now I'm not visiting anywhere that I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm staying in and staying safe, man. That's my goal. Uh, That's yeah. my goal, man. And let's get to this podcast. How about that? Oh, yeah. I forgot what we were doing here. Yeah, we're doing a podcast. You was telling us all about the great state of Texas and uh, the Republic of Texas. And you said uh, we have a story about Texas, and we we shared a few. So That's we're going to go on to about some Texas wrestling here. Um, the way the professor's got this formatted out, we're going to start just in the way we've broken it down. The first one is going to be the formation and founding of the uh, uh, wrestling. Is that correct? Yeah. The major wrestling companies. Yes. Um, The major ones. Now, keeping in mind, a lot of wrestling is murky. So there are going to be names I've forgotten because I know that Dallas actually started with somebody before um, uh, Macklemore. But anyhow, we'll go ahead and we'll start. And hopefully if anybody's more knowledgeable, hit us up, let us know what we've left out, forgot, or should have spent more time on. Um, but Bobby, so Texas was a huge area in this country, land wise, population wise, it had several growing cities that during the correct time, wrestling seemed to take off in. Um, and we'll start with Houston. There were regular shows starting in 1915 and going into like the early 1920s when a fellow named Julius Siegel began promoting shows, uh, down there. And in 1929, he goes to um, New Orleans and to promote shows there, handing off his company to Morris Siegel, who eventually hooks up with Paul Bosch, a former wrestler, to help him get through because Morris didn't have a wrestling background. Okay. So that gets us to the start of Houston there. Um, also, keep in mind that in the early 1930s, there was a, uh, a petrol boom in Texas, so its economy coming out of one of the worst recessions and depressions ever started to pick up early just because of the petrol chemical uh, advantage they had there. In Dallas, we had Ed McLemore, who's running shows in Dallas using talent from Morris Siegel in Houston. Uh, that started in the early 1940s. He had taken it over from somebody else. <clears throat> Eventually, Fritz von Erich uh, buys in into the Dallas territory. 
This will get us over to Amarillo, founded mm-hmm. by a fellow named Dory, Del- uh, Dory Denton in 1946. He eventually sold it to a man named Doc Serpolis, who offered Dory Funk, a, a name that we'll become very familiar with as we go on here, a chance to buy in. Dory Funk Jr. would eventually take that territory over. And then last but not least, we're going to go to a late addition to the game, the Southwest Championship Wrestling, founded by Joe Blanchard in 1978, headquartered in San Antonio. There were other promotions, I'm sure, scattered about, but these guys are the main players down there. Um, yeah. At times, NWA members, not NWA members, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Bobby, that, that gets us through the basic foundation and the main players in the in the basic four uh, territories there. Any any thoughts on anything we've covered so far? No, I think it's great. Like I said, you're going to start uh, recognizing a couple of these names, uh, of course, the Funks and, and then uh, Blanchard, um, and, of course, Fritz, you mentioned. so, mm-hmm. And Paul Bosch, of course, those were the four main that, that – Probably most of our fans are familiar with going back. Our true, you know, wrestling fans are probably more familiar with those those promoters or owners at that time. So we're just now starting to really hit our stride uh, coming into the promoters. Is that correct? Yes, we're going to talk with a little. Those names, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to trying to do that segue there. That's that's some of the main guys that our fans will probably know. We're going to eventually get right to those those four core guys or four four groups: uh, uh, Amarillo. Uh, Southwest and then Houston and Dallas, correct? Yes, sir. Um, okay. So we'll talk about the, the people now a little bit here. Uh, Moore Siegel, he didn't have a wrestling background, but he was a good businessman and he surrounded himself with people who knew how to run a wrestling business. Paul Bosch being one of them. Uh, Paul Bosch, I believe, was out of Brooklyn originally and he wrestled up until he had a car wreck and then he had to take an office position. Uh, Bobby, you actually have heard a little bit about Paul Bosch firsthand from some people. Yes. Well, that's the, when I was breaking into wrestling, of course, Malenko, Professor Boris Malenko, um, you know, he had a saying about promoters, only two kind, bad and worse, <laughs> you know, but, uh, that's payoff wise, uh, inside joke there. But, uh, he said that Paul Bosch, he really enjoyed working for, uh, Paul Bosch out in Houston, Texas, because, uh, he was known to be a great payoff man and a, and a good promoter. Um, and I heard that firsthand from Boris Malenko, and that was the first promoter, you know, he ever really put off, put over to me. And, uh, was, it, not that he had any nasty, hateful things to say about anyone else, really. Uh, the other thing being a little joke, but like I said, he always talked about, uh, what a, what a good promoter Paul Bosch was and how much he enjoyed working out there because he was more than fair on the payoffs. And then through the years, I heard, you know, more and more of the boys, uh, uh say that too, that actually worked there. So, um, like you said, he uh, he knew he knew about the wrestling business, and I guess he he really wanted to try to take care of the guys that came in. He wanted to try to keep them there because he was drawing such good houses and doing such good business. Right, it was fair fair about his promotion. You know, you know what I'm saying. Instead of skimming some or whatever, I, apparently he done the business the right way and uh, took care of the boys. Exactly. So. I think also um, I needed to do a little more about this. Maybe I shouldn't say it, but I think Paul Bosch was also, as far as military service goes, the most decorated uh, wrestler uh, slash promoter post World War II. I believe, okay. I believe he had Purple Hearts, uh, Silver Star with clusters. I, I would have to look into it a little more. So. Where? Where did you read that, or did you hear that? Because I think I've read that, too, in one of the articles. Uh, I'm drawing a blank where it's coming from, but I know I came across I it, about that story. I came across it in an article I read, and I don't remember which one right now. And I also came across it, I'm pretty sure, on his Wikipedia page. 
Okay. But, you know, Wikipedia, take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, Wikipedia should be the start of your research and not the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, uh, so, also, let's see here. I mean, a lot of big names got their start down there. Bill Curry, uh, Fritz started down there. But we'll see as we go. He had a, a certain way of running a territory that relied on <clears throat> having access to a lot of people in a big area. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. So we'll get to Ed McLemore now. He was the owner of the Sportatorium in Dallas, Texas, where he ran the Big D Jamboree and wrestling. Uh, originally, the company was called, I think it was called Texas Wrestling originally. And then, of course, Bobby would be big time wrestling after that. I was hoping you'd bring it up. When I saw that, I said, Jeremy's going to pop because he loves that big time wrestling, man. Uh-huh. And when I saw that, I did because I didn't know it had been that prior to uh where you're going with it, but yeah, the big time wrestling. Yep. Um, every company, I think if you go far enough in history, you will see every wrestling company was called big time wrestling at some point, mm-hmm. much like every masked wrestler <laughs> is Keiji Muto. Um, but anyhow, or from parts unknown or from parts unknown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, so in 1966, I believe this all happened at the same time. Fritz von Eric, and guys, we're going to use his kayfabe name because they're the Von Erichs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in 1966, Fritz Von Erich bought into the territory. And in that same year, they broke away from the Houston office. Dallas was not really a full booking office until that year. Dallas was sort of a subsidiary of Houston. Um, and I'm not even sure how that all works out because this was, that would be something specific with the NWA territories as well as the local promoters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for the record, just so people know, it's 225 miles between Dallas and Houston. And so, you know, you can make a lot of these towns, you know, short trips. I know that's not a, you know, a short trip per se. 100 miles might be a short trip. But that's where all these guys could still work for Dallas one night, Houston another night. And still, you know, there's some shitload. You know, you go from Dallas to uh, South Padre, you're looking over 450 miles or something like that. But I'm just talking back in, in the day, if Houston on a Saturday or a, uh, do a Friday on a, a Dallas and a Saturday on Houston, that's two pretty good bookings back to back. Two big towns, good payoffs, you know, Yeah. Uh, for a relatively short drive. That could be a lot worse, you know. Um, of course, 225 back in those days on two-lane roads, too, might be a little bit different than it is today. Yeah. Uh, just kind of uh, throwing that out there, uh, why there was so much talent available. Um, there was a lot of talented guys, of course, but there was there was, pe- there was places they could go and work in, in, in the state of Texas. Well, I think so. even if you – a mostly – and it's not going to be a true straight line, but a mostly uh, north to south line – you could be in Amarillo, drive for a little less than half a day, be in Dallas, mm-hmm. drive for a little bit less than half a day, and you could head over towards like Austin, and then drive mm-hmm. for a little bit less than half a day and be in Houston. Yep. You know, so if you had a straight, I mean, that that's a doable loop in a week. I mean, easily. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm sure you've driven further than that, you know, for. for oh, yeah. 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 Um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll go on to Dory Funk here now. As I, you know, Dory was a big uh, high school and I believe collegiate wrestling guy in Indiana as a, as a younger man. Yes. Um, and then when he joined the Navy, I guess he was also he had some professional wrestling matches while he was in the Navy. Um, he spent most of his career in Texas, and after he retired, he began promoting with Western State Sports, 
with Dark uh, Sar- Sarpolis in Amarillo. I'm gonna I massacre Greek names so bad. Sorry, everybody. Um, but this would be you know he bought into that. It was called Western State Sports. Now, when I talk about it, I just say Amarillo. I didn't even know it had a different name until this. <laughs> yeah, know? I didn't either. I always said Amarillo as well. Um, the uh, when I saw it Western State Sports, I was like, what? But um, talk about some road trips there. Um, they had um, Abilene, El Paso, Lubbock, Odessa. Uh, that was uh, and and um, of course Amarillo. I think they did Amarillo on a Thursday night. So that was the Texas towns. But they also went to uh, um, uh, Albuquerque in New Mexico. They went to Colorado Springs and. Uh, I'm going to screw this up, Preblo, Preblo, Colorado, and they also done a couple of towns in uh, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, the Panhandle area. So you had some probably some pretty good road trips there as far as length goes um, when you worked for that territory, for the for Amarillo territory. Oh, yeah. Because you know, it's kind of out there, and that you know, it's out there in the Panhandle itself. Um, I did have a couple funny stories about some road trips from there. I just want to share. I got it out of Terry Funk's book. Uh, he was talking about they uh, come out of a building one night, him and Dick Murdoch, and they had a kayfabe because, you know, one's a face and one's a heel. And uh, Terry um, <laughs> put Dick Murdoch in the truck and drove him over 160 miles, I guess, between uh, Odessa and uh, Abilene. Uh, Worked him the whole way, and of course they said, you know, Murdoch was pounding on the trunk the whole damn way too. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. But um, then I heard the other one, uh, Funk used to say that they, you know, you get bored out of the road, so you do this kind of stuff, guys. But so these and with Terry being my favorite, and just having read his book and stuff, and just hearing stories, said that um, Killer Carl Cox used to see a hitchhiker. And he'd pull up past them, you know, out on some two-lane road out in Texas. Some poor bastards out there hitchhiking, probably some lone hippie or something. And uh, uh, Cox would go right past the guy, pull over to the side of the road and say, hey, yeah, come on, come on, we'll give you a ride. And so, you know, the guy would start walking. They'd go, no, no, hurry up. And when he'd get about 20 or 30 feet away, he'd say, hey, stop, stop. i got to ask you something. And he says, Funk said it, he'd done it so many times and it worked every time he couldn't believe it. He'd say, hey, man, before I give you a ride, you don't know about karate, do you? And the guy at Evelyn, this was in the 70s, and when karate was everything, and it said, uh, inevitably the guy start breaking down and doing a karate move or two. <laughs> and then Cox would work and going, oh, my God, you know karate. And the guy would get worked up and do even more. And he goes, and he'd jump back in the car, I'm sorry, you know karate, that scares me. I, and he'd just leave the guy on the side of the road. Just something mean to do, but something fun to do, too. I'm sure some other trucker probably come and picked up the karate guy. But Funk said he saw him pull that more than once down there, and I thought that was pretty funny. Just to, just to let you know, sometimes you got to do crazy stuff out on the road. I thought that oh. was a pretty funny road story. Um, between yeah. towns is what I was getting at, you know, so, since we're naming towns on that. Um, that was Amarillo, Texas, because, uh, like I said, Houston pretty much you're staying up there at Houston. Dallas you're doing, you know, around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But uh, Amarillo was spread out some. And I know you're getting ready to go to the next one, uh, which is the um, – uh, Joe Blanchard's. Yeah. So Joe so. Blanchard. Um, now, here's here's the funny thing. I always think of the Blanchard family as being a Texas family. Apparently, they're from Canada. Um, I think I knew that. But Joe Blanchard started with Stampede Wrestling in Calgary. So he is a uh, he's a heart guy, apparently. Most of his. I didn't know that. So thank you. Yeah. Most of his career would have been in Calgary, Hawaii and Texas. Um. 
so his company had a lot of working alliances with other promoters like the AWA. Uh, Bockwinkle would come down and defend the AWA title in South, uh, Southwestern Championship Wrestling shows. Um, he had a deals with Fritz and Paul Bosch as well. Um, his territory was San Antonio, Austin, Corpus Christi, and Waco. Um, let's see here. And then Dallas. Okay. So the Dallas territory itself, I was trying to find just a list of cities. I know they did super shows at different places, but yeah. Dallas really seems to have been heavily just in Dallas or just yeah, that, seemed like that yeah. hearing the stories has been just, you could go maybe an hour outside Dallas to somewhere, but mostly it's Dallas. You know, that's, you know, um, that's what I gather as well. Um, the, uh, Southwest, just so you know, I want to put this out there. Um, if you want to find some good classic wrestling on YouTube, um, and uh, of course there's all kinds of wrestling available while I was doing this when I knew I had seen a, a really good match from Southwest that had uh, Dory Funk Jr. versus Dick Slater. That's from 1983. Uh, just, I, I was doing a deep dive a couple years ago. and remember seeing this match. Anyway, there's three places, um, Classic wrestling stuff, old school wrestling, and USWA Texas. Those look like the three main providers, but if you just type in Southwest Championship Wrestling, they've got a shit ton of footage out there, some really good classic matches. Um, I think our fans will really enjoy them if you have some time. You know, maybe um, as winter comes and you're locked in, snowed in or something, I know, Jeremy, you won't be out there in California, yeah. but some of our fans might be. Um, you know, just something to do as the weather's changing or whatever we just talked about before the show here. Um, spend some time and do a deep dive into, uh, you know, some Texas wrestling but there's a lot about the uh this from a lot of south uh west wrestling on, on there uh sheep herders uh the fabs dusty zambuia express and some we talked about earlier there was a, a murdoch but also bobby jaggers and manny fernandez were on some of them takes along with the course tolly blanchard so of anyway, course just, Tully, yeah. just throwing that out there for you um okay so bobby before we get on to talking about the talent in this market in these markets yeah uh, I hear not only are you a podcaster and a podcast personality and a former pro wrestler and a wrestling consultant, but you're also an author. Yes, I've written a couple of books and um, I appreciate you letting me talk about them on this show because fans, they do kind of help this show along. And um, if you'd like, you could uh, help this show too by visiting a couple of tiny URLs the way the professor has them set up. My books are available on Amazon. I have two books and several eBooks out there. If you will go to tinyurl.com slash blaze book one, that'll take you to my first book. It's called pin me, pay me, have boost will travel. And we talk, I talk all kinds of just about smoky mountain, about WCW, about a little bit in the WWF back then, uh, talk about England, Canada, Australia, uh, just uh, just about my travels around the world and the people, some of the people I got to meet and matches I had in the world of professional wrestling. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash blazebook1. My second book called I Kicked that, I Kicked that on Two, The Educational Wrestler, that is at tinyurl.com slash blazebook2. Now, if you go to that using that tinyurl, what it does, it just takes you to the Amazon page, but this program 
as a long harsh ash there I said, uh, <laughs> this program gets a little bit of kickback from it. And uh, I sell a book. I appreciate that. Uh, I think I sold one book this week, um, which makes me smile. Um, I appreciate it. I think I know who purchased it, uh, one of our new listeners, and I appreciate that very much. Um, but if you go through the tiny URL, um, the program gets a little bit of kickback from that too. So uh, Jeremy gets a little bit for the affiliate account to help, you know, help provide advertising because we don't make a dime off this podcast, but um, we are, we are trying our best to do so um, make it a first class podcast. So if you want to help in a small way, uh, purchase one of my books. Again, if you want pin me, pay me, have boost for travel, go to tinyurl.com slash blaze book one. If you want, I kicked that on two, the educational wrestler, go to tinyurl.com slash blaze book two. And I appreciate it. I'm sure the professor does as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And while you're there, take a look at some of his other books that he doesn't talk about on the show. <laughs> um, well, all right. <laughs> I've got a Christmas book on there that's mm-hmm. pretty funny. It's, it took place when I was about 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. Um, it's called Seasons and Greetings, and it, it's pretty funny. It's a little humorous book, a uh, little e-book. Uh, got some good reviews on it. And then I've got a short story, Yard Time, which is actually inside of the the book itself the um uh, I kicked out on two education wrestler about having wrestling inside of a prison and then I've got a book about a um uh Megan my girl Megan I I couldn't talk about Melanie Melanie uh, I was thinking about Melanie yesterday um I really was I was on my walk and Melanie's name popped in my head whatever, whatever happened to her whatever happened to her well, she just walk off over your couch or what. Well, it had some, yeah, something like that, man. Um, she's still around, but just COVID, man. I'm just ah. keeping it myself. But I, I come in last year from the hospital, and she was gone, you know. And so I was like, okay, that's that's good enough for me. Well, uh, yeah, she was a little virusy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, the name of this book, though, is called Megan, Hot Wife on a DL, and. Um, uh, I didn't want to use Melanie's name in that, but um, it's a uh, it's a XXX erotic exotic uh, adult romance, if you will. It's a short story and um, got a few reviews on it too, man. And if you're into that type of thing, um, at least you're reading. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, I'm trying to use my creative juices, you know, to to motivate myself to come up with my third book, which I have two notebooks now, but I've yet to start the book as far as putting it in a, in an order. So I am working on that third book, but, um, I don't think Melanie will be in it, but, um, I mean, Megan will be in it, but Melanie might. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. And I'm trying to work it into where I have, I mentioned you and text in this podcast. You know, I've got notes on that as well, uh, on this third book. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Right on. So anyway, thank you. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely. Yeah. Well, no, it's just, you know, look, uh, there, there is a reason. Well, there's a reason we met. There's a reason we started talking. There's a reason we yeah. started a podcast, you know, and the books are a big part of it. Um, yeah. So let's get on to talking about the talent in this tech. Now, Texas, are, we call that a market. What would you even call that kind of ge- geography as far as wrestling goes? Oh, man. Um, because I mean, it's it's four territories, but it's yeah. it's it's also one because it's a lot of the same guys, but it's also a little bit more because it gets into like you said, Colorado, it gets into Arizona or New Mexico, it gets into yeah. 
Louisiana. And not only that, but you can't tell me Cowboy Bill Watts wasn't sending shit over and back and forth at some right, point. Yeah. Right. I think it's just a, a, a big state with several territories within that state, almost like, uh, uh, you know, like in Tennessee, you had East, you had Knoxville office, and then you had Nashville, and then you had Memphis, you know, so uh, where Texas so big, we're not, we're just talking about the, the four biggest companies that were there, you know, uh, mm-hmm. hell, I would just say it's just a big territory. And if, if a guy was in good standing, I would imagine uh, being a self-contractor as, as a professional wrestler is labeled a, an independent contractor, um, I don't think you could probably do, you know, Fritz's TV on a, on a, you know, Thursday or whatever and, and, and not work his towns. Also, I don't think you could be under contract or however else, you know, working, say, for Southwestern and then show up on, on, uh, the Houston TV. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm sure there was a way they got to work different way, different for different offices, let's say that. I'm sure that the way they all work for different offices, when they were with TV, for example, on Fritz's TV, and you're the uh, uh, the fabulous uh, shoot the uh, the Freebirds, I'm sure they didn't go out and just work for you know Joe Blanchard or go up and work for the Houston unless there was an exchange in in motion, you know, yeah. an agreement that that was going to happen. Because I'm I, I know myself just when you're on TV for one company, they don't want you being on TV for another company. Now, that's not to say if it's a non-televised event or something, you couldn't work for another promoter, maybe, you know, especially if uh, you had a night off and it wasn't going to interfere with your regular bookings, say, with the Dallas office. I hope that makes sense to people. Um, even though you're an independent contractor, I would think once you've done that TV, that's pretty much whose TV you, you've done and you've done those towns for that promoter. Yeah. You know? uh, unless there was a talent exchange, again, you know, mentioning – um, I think we mentioned it with when we done Florida. Sometimes uh, Vince Senior would have guys fly in from from Florida to do Madison Square Garden as a favor and things like that. I'm sure that at some point, you know, maybe Amarillo, maybe they got some guys from Dallas and vice versa, you know, to come in for special shows, special events, super events, if you will. But otherwise, um, we're just going to say it's a big territory with uh, four different territories in it that we know of, uh, even though we come across several other names that were smaller markets um, out there, too. So anyway. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure for each of these four, which, like I said, came and went and joined and left and rejoined the NWA throughout the 50 year history. Damn near. I'm sure there are outlaw uh, outlaw feds. We don't know the name of or forgot the name of all over the state of Texas. There would have to be. Yeah, I came across several different little offshoots, you know, people starting their own little companies, businesses, whatever. Yeah. Uh, involving wrestling. But we'll, so, yeah, some of the talent. Go ahead. I was going to say, we'll go ahead and we'll talk a little bit Houston. So there was a time where Houston basically was the overarching office in Texas, and everybody else kind of booked their talent from Houston. Um but that became less and less the case. I don't know if it started with Fritz, but it's definitely one of the big shots was Fritz pulling WCCW out. Uh, so eventually Houston ends up as a one city promotion who has a very yeah. fluid roster because they're using talent from Cowboy Bill Watts, from Joe Blanchard, just from the uh, surrounding areas. He, Paul Bosch used a lot of the, the world class guys. You know, Gary Hart in his book tells a lot of stories about trying to, Keep, right. keep the peace basically between Bosch and Fritz and the boys and, you know, the, the, you know, the Von Eric kids. 
And we'll get into this more next week when we talk about it, but there's some entanglements between Bosch and Gino that sure make a rumor to sound fucking legit growing yeah. out of that. Yeah. Um, so then we go up to uh, Dallas where uh, Ed McLemore, he relied on talent from the NWA Houston office until they pulled out. And then of course that, that, you know, Fritz changes the name from big time to world class. And then we have his kids in the mid to late seventies breakout there. We have their feud with Freebirds. guys like Gino Hernandez were there. Mm-hmm. Um, Al Perez, you want to tell us a little bit about him? Yeah. We was talking about Gary Hart last week and all the people, uh, if we talk about managers, you're always going to leave someone off the list that they manage through time. I, I, I'd forgotten to this week that Al Perez was managed by Gary Hart out there. And, uh, Al Perez was actually a Malenko guy. He was trained by the Malenko's way back when. And, um, I've never met Al, but, uh, Dean was telling me, I think they're about the same age to be honest with you. And Dean was telling me about some stuff he was doing. Um, and the time frame that lined up was about 89, early nineties, uh, when he was with the, uh, uh, WCW then. And also, but he had been out in Texas working with Gary Hart some. So I thought that's interesting just to throw it out there to the devil. Gary Hart is the devil, man. You know, if you enjoyed that episode, uh, he managed about three, four, three guys, guys on this, on all these lists at some point. But see, that's what made sense was how Houston done it. And with Gary Hart, like, you know, doing a, uh, uh, being an in-between, a liaison, if you will, saying, hey, you want to bring this guy in from um, uh, Southwest, say, and bring him up for a big show in Houston. You know, so that that's what I was getting at. Uh, other than having that kind of a gentleman's agreement that they'll do that business, once they did TV uh, or their contractor, their days were up. Uh, their run, they had a six month run, say, like you was talking about Gary Hart booking someone and said, Hey, I'm going to keep you here to the end of the semester or for six months where well, they could easily leave, um, you know, that, uh, Dallas office and go to work for, say, uh, Joe Blanchard down in Southwest Texas, you know, do, there was always work available. Yeah. So, anyway, more about this talent. We just, I just want to mention Al Prez because he's a Malenko guy. Um, so, uh, in well, Houston. You want to start there, or you want to? Start well, at, you know what, uh, what I was going to say is we're going to we're going to repeat a lot of the names, but we're going to kind yeah. of just throw out some names. But you'll see that there are certain mainstays in Texas, Dick Murdoch being one of them. Dick worked yeah. everywhere. Um, also, we're going to find that there were relationships between some. You know, we don't really think of it that way. Texas is a southern state, but it's also a western state. Um, and we're going to see that there's some crossover between Los Angeles. And so yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Yes. Um, you bring that up. You know, Chris Adams, <clears throat> we're going to, you know, his name comes up in every single one of these companies, I believe. Um, you know, let's see here. Let's go ahead. Well, Bobby, you want to name some of the Houston people? If you want to just like pick through the list real sure, quick. I've got JYD Kamala came through there. Jake came through there. Bundy came through there. Wahoo. Um, going on down through there. Murdoch, of course, Johnny Valentine, uh, Bill Curry, I know Malenko worked there in Houston, as mentioned. Um, just kind of going to some older guys here. Danny McShane, um, Nick Bockwinkle, and Sputnik Monroe. Yeah. Um, later on, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, uh, Gary Hart as a wrestler. He come through as a wrestler. Um, just, a, just a whole bunch of people, a new team, uh, way back when the Blade Runners thing, the Ultimate Warrior came through there. So, um, again, uh, all these names are 
names that, you know, we've repeated probably over and over. Um, trying to look for him. Fritz had worked there, of course, like we talked about. Yeah. Oh, Hacksaw Duggan uh, had worked there. I'm sure he'd probably come over from uh, when he was working for Watch, you know. I'm uh, sure. Town exchange, town exchange, if you will, whatever. So I named quite a few there that um, that worked for it. Also, I saw an article that said um, uh, Paul Bosch tried to bring in, like uh, he wanted to bring in some New York, say some Bruno uh and the people didn't like it. They didn't want that uh, the the star from New York coming in. They wanted their their Texas stars, if you will. Like I said, the crossover though was I found it as interesting was the guys from L.A. early on, the guys that's coming, is doing cross promotion between L.A. and working in Texas as well. I thought that was pretty cool. So um, anyway, that's, there's a lot more talent. I'm sure I'm leaving off of there. Uh, but that's some of the Houston uh, talent that came through. Yeah, and like you say, you know, like you see there, Houston used a lot of just the surrounding talents at some point. Yeah. where they're just like, hey, uh, Cornette, can you bring in the Midnight or you know whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Amarillo real quick here. Uh, yes. Bob Backlund, Killer Tim Brooks, Cyclone Negro. Stop right there. Hold yeah. on. I want to say yes. Early on, that was one of the first other names I heard in wrestling was Killer Tim Brooks. And I was so glad to see him on his list, but I knew I, I'm not surprised he didn't work for all these companies. It seems like I don't. I know he worked for the Sheik at some time or another, but this killer Tim Brooks, man, it seemed like he must have worked for everyone in Texas. And so, excuse me for abruptly interrupting you. Yeah. I was just waiting for you to get to that name, though. That that's a name I heard for years when you talk about Texas wrestling. Man, was just killer Tim Brooks. Oh yeah. Uh, so anyway, go ahead. Now I got a little story about the uh, the funks because you know, obviously they worked in real. I got one more thing to say about that. But I was gonna say, keep on going down through there. Uh, killer Tim Brooks is like the farmer Burns of Texas in his day. <laughs> there you go. It's that it's that name that you can't you can't escape. And like for like ten years, you're like, well, who was this guy that I keep hearing? about and finally you dig in enough you're like oh i get it um i'm gonna skip over the funk so you can tell your story about yeah. them uh gory guerrero sweet hansen rip hawk judo gene labelle wahoo nice. sputnik monroe sputnik was all over the place in the south at that point oh yeah uh pedro yeah. morales dick murdoch of course you can't get about without him thunderbolt patterson uh, Harley, Dusty. Um, I would be interested at some point to go back, look at Dusty's career and see how much of it was actually in Texas. Was he just used as an attraction that they could say, Hey, and from Austin, Texas, Dusty Rhodes so, or Dusty, the funks would not start Dusty. They uh, did not break him in and they wouldn't use him on the shows. Uh, Dusty went out. Dusty, Dusty would beg to be on a show and no one would train him. And he went to, he left, went to Pittsburgh, I think, um, did some shows there. I'm not sure who for. Then he went to the Sheik and worked for the Sheik some um, and came back to Texas. And this is uh, the boys all kayfabed him in, in, the, in the locker room, actually. Um, they knew who he was. He'd come to every Thursday night show there in Amarillo or whatever um, and was begging to get into business. But finally, they let him into the locker room. And they realize, you know, hey, he does know a thing or two. And, they, you know, that's how Dusty got to start, though. They, the Funks refused to break him in, though, um, down there. But he eventually did get in, and he got over. That's off in Terry's book. Uh, but, yeah, he took off, went to Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh then to, to the Sheik, and, and done, done, stayed gone for quite a while, I guess, six months, maybe eight months, and then came back and, and had some matches under, under his belt there and, and started, um, started getting some work there. Um, 
Dennis Stamp, man, there's your name right there. If you, um, from, um, if you remember that name, the Terry Funk story I was going to tell you real quickly was you could apparently on these, uh, Back before, you know, this is the 70s and 80s, so, you know, pre-911, the um, uh, Terry could get on a plane, and it, apparently you can go from Amarillo to um, to Denver, and then the next flight was Denver to L.A., and it was like 27 bucks or something, probably like the prices are right now, the way things are in the world. But uh, uh, if he had to do it work in L.A., some of the guys, they would, uh, they would stay on the plane and sleep in the back of it for like the hour layover and the same plane would go from Denver to LA and they'd get, they'd get from, uh, from, uh, Amarillo to LA for like 27 bucks. Because, you know, well, someone would just come in and they just, you know, look over the plane. They'd be down in the back seat somewhere like in town. It's not like today, you know, they changed planes, but one of the boys figured it out and Terry would be like, he was all over, you know, saving money. But, um, it's just one of those things that he had brought up that he'd done it several times. And so to several other guys that, you know, working, you couldn't do it back from LA to Amarillo, but you could from Amarillo to LA. And he just had that one stop in Denver. They said, don't get off the plane. Just stay down low. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah, there's it no is. way you'd get away with that now, but yeah. No, no. Uh, well, you know, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna bring this up real quick, okay. uh, just because we're in Texas, and of course, Bruiser Brody was a big star here. I cannot remember the story, who told it, but somebody was talking about him, and they were trying to figure out, you know, if he was gonna be okay going forward, because look, wrestlers have never really had a good retirement program, you know. You either yeah. save your money or you spend money like me and you die broke, you know, which is kind of my goal in life, really. But um, somebody was like talking to Brody and now Frank Goodish, not Brody, but Frank Goodish was actually right. a very responsible, like oriented family man. Um, and they were trying to figure out, you know, if he was going to be OK in this in this life as a wrestler. Well, apparently fucking uh, Brody would eat cans of tuna and that was it while he was traveling <laughs> yeah so he was like a cheap traveler and they're like yeah he's gonna be just fine you know he, yeah. he you know he's stacking his money away he's not spending it like a lunatic but that and this like flying from amarillo to california for 27 bucks these little stories are like kind of cool just hearing about how these guys were like yeah you know you know they were making money in spots at, at shots but yeah. you know they were saving it too he's like winter's gonna come or somebody's not gonna book you eventually or whatever Right. Yeah. Yep, so, that's it, man. That's pretty cool. Uh, we leave anyone off there. I'm sure we did. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mercedes Salas, who was, uh, of course, uh, Tito Santana's. Uh, Bill Watts worked there. Johnny Weaver and uh, Jumbo Jumbo Cesarta. Did I say easy, that right? Easy for you to say. Jumbo yeah, Saruta. Saruta. Yes, yeah, Saruta. I'm sorry. And of course, Dusty and Harley, as we mentioned, um, think you covered all the guys that we on that list there. Let's move over to SCW. Uh, how about that? Um, and you're going to again be seeing some repeating names between SCW and Dallas and some we've already. Uh, you want to start that list off here, okay. Professor? Uh, Chris Adams, a name we're very familiar with at this point. You yep. know, this next one is a guy I'm surprised we don't talk about more often, quite honestly, Adrian Adonis. I know. I agree with you, man. Yeah. What a talented person he was. Yeah. Man. Uh, and gone way too early. Yes. Um, Austin Idol, Gino Hernandez, Tolly Blanchard, Ted DiBiase, or Ted DeBusey, as Skandar <laughs> Akbar used to say. 
Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk, Bob, fuck, you know what? Fuck him. I'm not name, saying his name. Um, no, I guess I have to, huh? Bob Sweeten. Okay. Yeah. Scott Casey, Terry Allen, or Magnum TA, as others would know. There you go. And Scott Casey, I don't, you know, man, I hear he was a tremendous performer to Cowboy Scott Casey. I haven't seen a lot of his matches, but I hear he was over, like, big time over, man. Yeah. Uh, Bob Orton Jr., uh, Chavo Guerrero, Mando Guerrero, uh, uh, Buzz Sawyer. Um, hang on here. Eric Embry, Keller Tim Brooks. I lost my spot for a second. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah. Dan Greer, the Ninja Warrior. There's a there's a classy uh, original name. C.T. <laughs> Knight, Ivan Putsky, Tony Atlas, Skip Young, Buddy Landell. Have, do you know anything about Buddy Landell? I know a thing or two about Buddy, man. Mm-hmm. I do. Bobby I'll Jaggers. tell you what. Yeah. Um, there's a YouTube video that Tex left up there. Um, if you go to tinyurl.com BBBB video, there's actually a, uh, I don't know, about 20 minute segment between, uh, you and I where I'm telling you a couple of Buddy Landell stories about our love hate relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, very respectful of each other, but it was off and on depending on how we wanted to work with each other. It's all very professional, but just want to throw out there, there is a YouTube channel at tinyurl.com slash BBBB video. Um, there, that channel has over 1.6 million views, but I bring this up because I'm not trying to put them on a spot, but the professor is working on another YouTube channel that's going to be a little bit, uh, go in a little bit more historical, um, starting, uh, with some of the way we started off our seasons this, once we came back from our little break we had there. And I'm looking forward to it. And I think I'm not giving away what you're going to be doing on it right away, but, uh, we're trying to, the professor has put together another YouTube channel, uh, without interrupting, uh, the, the channel that's left up there by text. And if we could ever get the rights to that, you know, we, we, we certainly will to try to improve that and add more videos to it. But in the meantime, be looking forward because I'm sure professor will have a, uh, have the name up there. Um, I know you sent it to me. I know it's going to be like more like bell to bell pod or the bell, bell blaze podcast. And we'll talk about that more, but I just want the fans to know we are working on a YouTube channel. Um, professor so uh, yeah i know a thing or two about buddy landale (laughs) you know i always thought it was really nice of him to uh to offer to buy you a car that time i always thought that was a really a really genuine and thoughtful effort on his part dick murdoch was there iceman king parsons al perez manny fernandez you know a tag team we don't talk about often enough ever rick rude and manny fernandez by paul jones man come on Tom, tom pritchard uh, Chicky Star. I actually don't know that name at all. Kelly Kaninsky. The no, what was he? It was Exotic Adrian Street. The Exotic Adrian Street. Yes. Yeah. Luke Williams. Uh, Butch Miller. Those are the sheep herders, right? Yes. Yeah. John Boyd. Mill Mascaris. Rick Rude. Eddie Marisfield. Dick Slater. Hey, Dirty Dick Slater. We haven't come across that name yet. Nick Bockwinkle. <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um. Yeah, obviously, Cowboy Bill Watts had his finger in this pie from somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, these, I mean, oh, hey, look, a whole other page I forgot about. Uh, oh, Wahoo, yeah, there's a bunch more down there. Yeah, Wahoo, Abby, Kevin Sullivan, Bruiser Brody, Jerry Lawler, Eddie Gilbert. Another favorite of mine that we don't get around too often enough. Tito Santana, The Sheik, Baron Von Raschke, 
who looks like an alien. I, I think that <laughs> freaked me out. Ron Sexton, Tank Patton, Tiger Conway Jr., Rudy Boy, Gonzalez, Lynn Denton, Tony Anthony, Ricky Santana, Manny Villalobos. Mm. So many names. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back up here at Tom Pritchard there, I wanted to, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Tom's a great guy. If anyone uh, comes up to see you, talks to Tom in the near future, tell him Bobby Blaze said hello. I think the world will dock. Um, I think he got his start over there at the Houston office with uh, Paul Bosch uh, working in the office there, if I'm not mistaken. And um, uh, always a big fan of wrestling. And he knows a hell of a lot about Houston wrestling and Texas wrestling. I'm sure I'd like to hear more about some of the stuff he knows. He's probably forgotten more than I don't know about oh, Texas yeah. wrestling. Uh, one of the other names I'm glad you brought up, and I know it'll come up again on our next one, but uh, Iceman Parsons, you know, we uh, that name will come up on another list, of course. Uh we get over to Dallas, which we're heading to next, I think. But it's just funny to see some of these names that, um, like I said, there's that killer Tim Brooks again and things like that. You know, like I said, then as we're seeing these names, there's certainly guys that you just like, um, uh, like I said, we don't talk about enough. Uh, like when you brought it up before the show uh, with um, uh, Manny and uh, Rick Rude, you know, mm-hmm. being such a good tag team together, you know, stuff like that. So uh, with that said, that's a pretty good list. Let's go over. Over two, and folks, I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna go over to the Dallas, <laughs> and our Dallas <laughs> column is blank. Yep. So, because as much as Jeremy and myself talk about WCCW, uh, if we leave anyone off, we apologize in advance. But uh, that list seems endless, man. As who worked for um, the uh, the Dallas uh, for WCCW is what I'm trying to get out. So, so uh, who, who just. Start with Devon Erics or who? Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll pick a couple names out, but I just want to yeah. tell you guys, I have a table here that lists the four companies we're talking about, and each one yes. I paste a good a good handful of names that came through there, right? Yes. Okay, so WCCW added four pages to the format of the show. Oh God! <laughs> well, um, you have enough as it is. Yeah. I can see why you didn't have to. Why you didn't list them. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, so we got, we'll just say the Von Erics, cover them all. Yeah. The Freebirds, we'll cover that. Um, Al Perez, Abby, uh, Andre the Giant was down there. Bam Bam Bigelow was down there. Wild Bill Irwin was down there. Billy Jack Haynes, Billy the Kid, Black Bart, uh, Blue Demon, Bobby Duncan, Bobby Eaton, Bobby Fulton, Boris Zukov, Brian Adias. I'm going to skip uh, Playboy Buddy Rose, a guy, again, we never talk about enough, we should probably bring up at some point. Lane Mean, 217. Mm-hmm. Hacksaw Butch Reed. Uh, not the natural, Hacksaw Butch Reed. Um, Chris Adams, of course. Dingo Warrior, who would go on to become the Ultimate Warrior. Brutus Beefcake, Dory Funk, Dory Funk Jr., El Santo, um, Let's see. Great here. Kabuki. Uh, Great Kabuki, yeah. Uh, Gary Hart, of course. Gene Anderson. Uh, Gino Hernandez. Harley Race would go through there. Jake Roberts. Uh, Jeep Swinson. Jeff Jarrett, much later in there. Uh, Jer- uh, Jerry Lawler, again later, but definitely. Cornette. Yep. Powers. Uh, the Midnight Express went through there. Jimmy Garvin. Superfly Snooka. Uh, Johnny Valentine. Jose Lothario. Jewel Strongbow. JYD. Kamala. Uh, Kelly Kaninsky, 
uh, Kevin Sullivan, Killer Khan, Killer Tim Brooks, <laughs> King Kong Bundy. I'm just at the K's, people. Mark yeah. Lewin, Mark Youngblood, Michael P.S. Hayes. already covered him with the Freebirds, but I like saying his name. The Missing Link, Missy <laughs> Hyatt. I can never leave Missy Hyatt out. Um, One Man Gang, Flair, uh, Tony Atlas, to- uh, Jesus Christ, Terry Baby Taylor. Baby Doll and Precious. <laughs> Baby Doll and Precious, Steve Austin, Rick Rude. <laughs> uh, Ron Starr, Shawn Michaels, Scott Casey, Skandar Akbar, The Spoiler, Stan Hansen, Stan Stasiak. Uh, okay, you know what? I'm giving up. I'm throwing them okay, yeah. down. You're, you're, like, you're going on for four, four pages there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's the talent, folks, that you can imagine through Texas. So Texas had a lot of all those companies had good rosters, and they were interchangeable. And as you could tell, uh, Watch from Mid-South, they did some business with each of those offices at some time or another. Also, out of L.A., they obviously, you know, was sending talent back and forth uh, between L.A., some of those bigger stars uh, working there as well. Um, and uh, let's see, do we leave it? And again, interstate uh, change, you know, just a uh, working gentleman's agreement that, you know, if you're, you're working for Fritz, but he's going to let you, maybe that's not the best example, but maybe he's going to let you come up and do something for uh, Houston on a Saturday night, you know. So uh, a lot of opportunity with a lot of great talent out there, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where do we go from here, Professor? The well, do we go from- I want to talk a little bit about the legacies because uh, I, I was going to do this the opposite way, but I think I'm going to end with the ending, but the legacies are the things that continue after the end. So Yes, yes. Uh, Southwestern Championship Wrestling. It had the time spot on USA Network that eventually would become the WWE's. There was a match that they had filmed that was so bloody between Tolly and Bob Sweeten that the USA Network just said, no, we're not going to air it. Um, on top of that, now see, there's that th- 1980s, okay? The 1980s yeah. were brutal wrestling. We'll get in that a little bit further. But we hit a point where Joe Blanchard could no longer afford the $7,000 a week to cover his spot on USA so Vince McMahon, like he did to a lot of other people, swooped in and got the spot. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's just one of the examples of how Vince McMahon tore apart Texas. Uh, Booker T. Now, I don't know if it's the original. I think it is. But Booker T wears a ring on his hand that is a wrestling ring. That was Paul Bosch's ring. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, that was Paul Bosch's ring. Now, I, I don't believe that it's a... Um, a cockamamie or anything. I think yeah. it's Paul Bosch's actual ring. Um, also, his wrestling company down in Houston, their Texas title is an almost inch-by-inch inch remake of the WCCW Texas title from the end of its run. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's different colors, but it's the same plates. Yeah. Um, Southwestern Championship Wrestling, they are one of very few wrestling companies whose tape library is not owned by the WWE. Right. And that's, that must be how I found those three companies that put them out on, on YouTube. Yep. Uh, also the other, you know, legacy we have of Southwestern championship would be the Blanchards, Tolly and Tessa Blanchard. Uh, Tolly is playing a great manager's position over in AEW. It's, it's like he was born to be a prick heel manager. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about world-class here. Um, so there were several attempts to relaunch World Class in name only. Gary Hart made a couple of attempts. There's a company in yeah. Boston that was named International World Class Championship Wrestling. Um, Kevin's sons 
are a tag team in MLW. Mm-hmm. So they are still in wrestling. And Carrie's daughter, her name was Lacey, I believe. Yes. Uh, 10, 15 years ago was in uh, TNA slash Impact as one of the beautiful people in its original incarnation. And shockingly, I, I know this is going to stun everybody, Carrie Von Erich's daughter was gorgeous. I mean, who who could imagine that, you know, I'm sure Carrie's wife is beautiful. Carrie was a good-looking guy, so who can imagine that he'd have a daughter who was so stunning? Yeah. You know? <laughs> shocker. A shocker. Um, but there's a lot of legacies. I mean, just the the companies, the people that came out of there. Um, a lot of people say Paul Bosch is responsible for creating, I believe it's mud wrestling. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, and Paul Bosch. Jim Ross has said that wrestling owes more to Paul Bosch than anybody will ever know. So just between the, you know, the, the families, the actual wrestlers that came out of the territories there, um, you know, the, the channels, the way of setting up their TV shows, things like that. Just Texas has a great legacy in pro wrestling. Yeah. And then this is the last one. Now, Bobby, I, of course, I laid this out in chapters like I always do, but we're not doing it as a top 10 list. Right. But I always give them a little subtitle just so we'll have an idea of what the topic is. Yeah, And this one, our last spot, I called it the Graveyard of Empires. I like uh, that. Explain it to me, please. Yep. So there was a thing. Afghanistan is often called the Graveyard of, Inter- of Empires because these vast empires will go in to try to take it over and just get bogged down. And often they get so bogged down that it, it bleeds them out militarily and financially. It happened to Russia. It happened to Alexander the Great. It happened, I believe, to the Mongols. Um, it happened, almost happened to us there. Uh, so I noticed as we were going through, and I've said before, like 1980 was this year. It's like the year that the meteor struck and killed all the dinosaurs almost for wrestling yeah, companies. Yeah, you've talked about that before. Yeah, something happened in 1980, 1981, where just like wrestling companies started dying. But I noticed that there's a different thing as well here with Texas. Yeah, the 1980 thing hit. But also, like, Jim Crockett bought uh, Bill Watts, moved an office to Dallas, and the next thing you know, Jim Crockett's broke and having to sell to Ted Turner. Um, You know, Fritz ran what was one of the most successful wrestling companies ever, and then it just nosedived and disappeared. Um, Yeah. yeah, Well, it went what? Basically, that one went what? Try to join the AWA. Uh, I know Memphis... Formed with the USWA, but it just kind of petered out after that, right? Mm-hmm. I know at the end, Eric Embry and uh, Jarrett and him was there, and I know there's a lot of guys were going back and forth between uh, Nashville and you, uh, with Nashville and Dallas. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like it just just kind of you could see the product getting watered down each week. It seemed like. Oh yeah. Well, in the USWA, uh, just to just to lay out like the most technical here, it was WCCW, Memphis, and AWA, or what was left right. of the AWA. And Vern, like every fucking thing Vern did like this, he got in, he unified his title, and then about a week later, he took his football and went home. (laughs) So the USWA title was supposed to be, I believe it was the CWA title, the WCWA, its official title, uh, World Championship, and the AWA title combined, and then they created a company called USWA. And Vern pulled out of that. Of course, he'd be out of business the next year. Right. Um, so I guess in a way it killed the AWA too. Huh? I mean, kind of. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, and in a way it killed Memphis. Because um, merging with and trying to be part mm-hmm. of. It, yeah. 
So yeah, so I I just is there the something graveyard of the empire graveyard yeah. of empires I like that uh, I don't like it that it happened but that's what's happened yeah um, I Houston just, uh, same thing right uh, oh yeah that slot well what so with Houston ended Saturday night shows there on I guess yeah. well and like Houston you know um, in the eighties everybody decided they were going national to try to compete with Vince. Houston not having its own roster or, you know, it's, it's deep pocketbooks like it used to run. He was relying on the businesses of the people around him. So one by one, as Vince picks those off, that just hollows Houston out. And, um, I'm trying to remember here. Uh, let me, I got to go through this real quick. Um, mm-hmm. do, do, do. after a four month partnership with the WWF, Bosch ended his career by promoting a retirement show on August 28th, 1987. Mm-hmm. In front of a sellout crowd of 12,000 fans, effectively ending Houston wrestling promotion slash territory. During the show, then U.S. Vice President George H.W. Bush honored Bosch via telegram. Um, and I believe Paul Bosch was pushed out. Basically, I believe Vince pushed him out eventually. I think I've heard Bruce Prichard tell a story yeah. where it, it yeah. kind of leaned that way. I was trying to say that in a way where I'm not making an accusation, but there's really not a way to say it without making right, an right. accusation. Yeah. So something between whatever it was in 1980 that just killed wrestling companies left and right, um, something about the state of Texas and something absolutely Vince McMahon and the WWF did just murdered companies in the uh, mid to late 80s, just shut them down. And yeah. So we're kind of left with just the legacy of Texas at this point. Now, I'm sure things are going to change. Things will come around, and things always do revert to the mean. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, that as I was looking at how to end this, Graveyard of Empires is what came up. Well, that's a good way to end it, I think. I hope that everyone's enjoyed this 30,000-foot view, uh, 30,000 mile view, if you will, of the deep dive into the uh, Republic of Texas. Uh, Professor certainly had his thinking hat on here and pulled up some really good, uh, good stuff. You know, there's so much uh, we could have talked about. Again, as you know, we took a large view. There was Global was there. Uh, you know, there's different companies. We didn't, you know, we talked a little about the USWA there at the end, but we try to keep the focus on the, on the heyday of, of the big, the big four companies. Um, Again, if you want to hit us up, the Facebook page is Bell to Bell Blaze. There's also the best way, though, for for me is on Twitter. And there's a uh, Jeremy has his Twitter at the Geekish Cast. I'm at Bobby Blaze 744 and a joint account is Bell to Bell Blaze. Um, and that's on Twitter. And that's the easiest way to hit us up and let us know what you think, man. We always appreciate the feedback. In fact, I heard back from a listener this week that said he left us a five star review. Um, like I said, and I, I also know a gentleman that said he purchased a book this week. So, um, um, you know, it's good stuff when we hear from you fans. Uh, anyway, good or bad, leave us a review. Uh, just be fair and honest with your review, you know. Um, that's all we ask. Uh, of course, wherever you're listening to us at right now is where you're hearing us at. Uh, I see the reviews that are on iTunes, um, and uh, I appreciate them very much. They've all been – we got a lot of 35 or 37 five-star reviews. 
I know one is a one-star review. I don't see it, but apparently the professor has seen it has chapped his ass. So don't don't piss the professor off a one-star review. But um, no, in all seriousness, man, I appreciate this week's episode because we took a deep dive into Texas and the way the professor laid the notes out, man, it's just, um, uh, once again, uh, thank you very much. Just like I said on the other podcast, got to put you over, man, for doing your homework and helping to get this out here. Now, this uh, podcast, you'll be listening to it on Tuesday, uh, as always, and um, download it as quick as you can and tell a, tell a friend and tell a fan of wrestling if they want some old school, just two guys that get on here and talk and, and, and do some research to it. We do some fact checking and uh, let them know we're out here, man. And Professor, uh, I'll let you close us out here, man, because I have a lot more to say other than thank you very much, man, and wrestling fans. Take care of yourself. Be safe out there, man. Um, take care of your friends, families, and neighbors. Neighbors, uh, but take care of yourself also. Okay. Okay. And with that being said, I just want to wrap up. This show was also sponsored by Private Internet Access, a VPN company. You can try it out uh, risk-free for thirty days. Uh, less than three dollars a month when you buy three years in advance. Two years in advance, you get two months for free as well. Uh, you go to tinyurl.com slash blaze, P-I-A. And, uh, Bobby, there's something I've always wanted to do, and I figure while we're in the state of Texas, this is the time to do it. Okay. Uh, if I can just get back up here. Get if, ready, folks. Yep. I don't even know what's going to happen. But I'm just sitting here thinking, what is, I've already said my goodbyes. I don't know what more I can say, so I'm going to shut up. Fiery horse to the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high-o silver, Bobby Blaze. High-o silver away with his faithful podcasting companion, Jeremy. The daring and resourceful wrestler of the old days leads the fight to preserve the memory of the great days of pro wrestling. Bobby Blaze rides again. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. And with that, I bid you all adieu.